0: So I think actually, Danny, in the two and a half year history of Dunked On Now, this is the longest we've ever gone without recording an episode. It's pretty close to that. I think the second longest was last year during Sports Business Classroom as well, because it's a pretty intensive program. So I really enjoyed doing that. Met some amazing students. It was an honor to be their professor, so to speak. Awesome, awesome time once again this year. Exhausting, however. You can probably hear it in my voice, actually. But nevertheless, we sell Soldier on here. We're sponsored today by me undies. Go to me undies.com slash cap space to get twenty percent off your first pair plus free shipping at me undies.com slash cap space. So I think where I want to start here is with changes to, you know, the actual game of basketball itself. We've been so transaction focused here, but are these welcome changes for you, Danny?
1: Broadly speaking, yes. So while we were in Vegas, though, I don't think either of us went to the press conference. The NBA's Board of Governors met and enacted a couple of different reforms just because it's a quicker conversation. Let's start with the trade deadline. So they moved the trade deadline from after the All-Star game to from the Thursday after the all-star game to the thursday 10 days before the all-star game why the why the trade deadline has to be on a thursday i don't exactly know but it is and it is I am of a couple of different minds about this
0: which two are those (laughs) so
1: I I understand the reasoning behind it especially after DeMarcus Cousins last year the drama of which I actually missed because I was on that cruise in the Caribbean but the awkwardness of him being asked about trades constantly and then it actually happening basically during all-star weekend I I think he actually
0: like got told in his ear that it had happened like while he was giving an interview
1: I believe that is correct yeah so I understand that it is the sort of impetus to make a change like that however I think that's a little bit too early what I would have done is made it the first day after the last games before the all-star game because really if it happens before that there isn't any real immediate availability that day then teams get a little bit of time to talk also it, assuming they're keeping the March 1st kind of end of February March 1st waiver deadline it really does open up some stuff there for players to figure out what their market is is going to be before the waiver deadline
0: i don't like it at all a couple of reasons although actually no i should say there is one reason i like it which is now i can basically just get a full week of vacation during the all-star game which i don't care about at all but aside from that since i i can actually be a little bit more altruistic i think we're gonna see fewer trades because teams the longer you go in the season the more clear it is what your destiny is for that season so if teams can delude themselves that they're still in it then they're not going to want to trade their guys Oh, we're going to go for it i mean think of the hawks last year for example right uh i don't think that would have been affected by having a change of two weeks or so but still i think for a lot of these teams even you know a hot week or two can kind of keep him in it or a bad week or two can make him think all right you know we we it's time to give up on this season so that's one and
1: well something something yeah. i'll add there is that this season in particular that could be true just because of how it looks like these things are breaking out i've been thinking a little bit about tears already thinking about doing that for real jam radio this upcoming week and there are a lot of teams that will th- at least start the season thinking of themselves as contenders and one of the hardest things for a gm and or owner to do is to make the decision that they're not and so well especially, the earlier in the you east, make, yeah.
0: especially in the east you can really delude yourself into thinking that hey you know we could be we can uh, get
1: to 40 we can get to 30 yeah
0: yeah or even we could get to, to 50 as well i mean for but again i think that that hawks situation last year we noted that no one really who was in position to be like a five seed that we could recall had ever traded someone like Millsap, and ended up being the wrong decision not to trade him they let him go they kind of shifted gears it it seemed like once Travis Schlenk came in. But I think the the other aspect of it is I didn't really see a problem with how it was before. And I think that having a period where there aren't any games of about a week leading up to the trade deadline isn't really good for the league the, the all-star break has of course been extended but because the trade deadline was there now people are talking about the nba all during that time period and now they're just gonna kind of go chill out right like me i mean i talk about the nba for a living and now i don't have to be around so i think that that the having it be while there are games going on you can use the games to be the story then and then you can have this period with no games. To to be about the trade deadline
1: yeah i think that's certainly a fair point but we can move on to the more substantive changes which were more about pace of play than anything yeah else. remember
0: when you're like oh we can hit this one pretty quickly <laughs>
1: i was so wrong I, I am often wrong we tell we love process stuff but the timeouts. i, I can't is... help
0: myself i'm losing my voice and i still can't stop talking <laughs> it, it's terrible. so
1: so with the timeouts there are a series of different adjustments one is that now they've they've eliminated what were quote unquote 20 second timeouts which were kind of bs because they were actually 60 now everything is 75 all team timeouts and yeah
0: so those are the ones that are not like commercial timeouts basically right if they call an extra timeout and they wouldn't normally go to commercial they probably will go like like one commercial but it's not going to be one of these like you know three minute long commercial breaks,
1: right so that adjustment is in there but they're also dropping the under nine timeout in the second and fourth quarters so there are only two mandatory timeouts per quarter
0: and the point was made that this isn't going to really decrease the length of games at all, because I think they're going to make up for those commercials by just making the breaks a little bit longer. I'm good with this though, because that under nine timeout was so miserable, especially because, and it also even allowed teams who didn't have as much depth, especially in the playoffs, to say, oh, we're going to rest this guy for three minutes, but we have so much time on the end of the quarter. And then that under nine timeout, and, and we'd see even teams with bad benches in the playoffs, I like, couldn't even make it to the under nine timeout they still have to call time out they couldn't even make it three minutes but nonetheless i think that just it makes it so choppy and so now instead they're going to change it up so the first stoppage will be under seven and then the next one will remain at under three i like that too because at the start of the first and third you would get some really long periods of time where guys would get pretty exhausted at the start of the game and You'd have this super long period. Yeah, you can get into the game. But then it was basically every three minutes after that, you would have a timeout. And so now we don't have to deal with that quite as much, which I think is a good thing.
1: And then the other big one, at least for me, is that now each team only has two timeouts in the final two minutes of a game.
0: Yeah, and it used used to be three. Mm Mm-hmm. And David Locke made a point, which I thought was a good one, that that basically means each team is only going to have one timeout in the last two minutes because you got to save one in theory for advancing advancing the ball if you're close. And... I think that's good. I was never one who actually complained that much about the end of games, except for replay reviews was the only thing that I felt slowed it down. I think those are important to have late in the game. But for me, I didn't mind it because I could just check Twitter. I felt like the drama would sort of build, actually, if there was more of a break. While it can be extremely exciting to go back and forth with no timeouts in the last 30 seconds of the game, I kind of actually enjoy the chance for the drama to build it. Like, oh my God, this guy scored. This could be an unbelievable shot that won it. Okay, what are they going to run? Are they going to sub in? offense defense and advance the ball what's the strategy here do they need to foul how much time do they have all of those kinds of things i actually sort of enjoy that it makes that end of the game each moment is a little bit more pregnant than okay wow that was just an enormous shot that you just hit and then three seconds later it's obscured by something else i guess i just have more of an attention span and also it's a good chance to like get on twitter and kind of you know get ready for it or, or talk about it a little bit if we're doing the twitter nba show so i'm not saying that like i don't like this but I just didn't hate the the timeouts as much as everyone else seems to.
1: I draw a couple of different lines here. One big one for the three timeouts is in person versus on television. It oh, felt yeah. long in person, getting those getting those three timeouts in the end of the game. And so I agree with you on television when you have all the other stuff going on, but when you're there, it there were games where it was just interminable. And that's a challenge that I think they tried to address here. And then the other part is kind of the casual versus the hardcore fan. You know, people like us, can occupy that entire time a lot of our listeners probably can as well but when you're trying to broaden the base and things like hashtag league Pass alert or anything else those are trying to bring in people who might not be as interested who might be le- more interested in the the quicker action and things like that and so you're getting a little bit more into baseball territory when you have that many stoppages especially with the replay reviews on top of it so i think that's what they're aiming for whether it works or not is an open question i would love to see them experiment with live with changing or abolishing live ball timeouts during certain portions of the game that is something that i also think drags it out but those sorts of those sorts of conversations will need to happen in a different setting at a different time
0: yeah also another change each team will have two timeouts per overtime period previously teams would get three and i've actually always thought that overtime was too long I felt that it should be three minutes because a lot of these overtimes, there's enough time where there's separation. It's not close again at the end. Maybe the point of that is for that very purpose, they don't want to go into double overtime. But if you only made overtime three minutes... Then if it goes into double overtime, it's only six minutes of actual playing time. It's going to take longer to do all the timeouts and stuff. But I always felt like those first couple of minutes of overtime, you just came from such a drama packed portion of the game. And then it's like, Oh, it's not really these first two minutes. It's like not as important again. Whereas if you started it with three minutes, it's like, all right, you're just maintaining that tension throughout the entire time. Anyway, that's ancillary to what well, we're talking about here. But yeah. then
1: there's one other thing that I want to talk about, which is probably going to be a parlor game for the two of us, which is the, rule that halftime is only 15 minutes for all games now beginning when the second per- when the second quarter stops i want to see if they actually enforce this they say there's going to be a delay of a game penalty jersey retirements numerous other things like they've tried to make it a hard rule but we'll have to see
0: yeah i can't wait to hang out with you as you gleefully start a timer the moment the buzzer expires in the first half to see whether uh this works out i really i, I, I can't wait parties. that's going to be incredible a <laughs> uh, couple other really small things we don't need to comment on further it is now a delay of game violation if a free throw shooter ventures beyond the three point line between attempts you only have 10 seconds after you get the ball but that would sort of slow things down once the before the guy even got the ball and you mentioned the thing about halftime what are the effects of of some of these changes i think one of them is that it's going to be harder now to play big minutes because with fewer timeouts, now you're not getting as many chances to recover. And also worth noting, one of the things that we've talked about many times is how much harder the game is today from a physical standpoint. There are so many fewer free throws these days. And that so that even provides less of a chance for players to really recover in game as well. Now, part of that will be mitigated by the fact that some of the breaks will be a little bit longer, but that's... Uh, not something that I really think is going to be conducive to guys playing a ton of minutes. and Maybe it'll make have more of an effect, even perhaps in the playoffs. And although the one thing you could also add is that maybe there's been some research I'm aware of. I'm not that up on it, but it's been alluded to this idea that if you kind of completely empty the tank early in games, that like you can't recover. Whereas like if you just three quarter empty the tank, then it's easier to recover. And so maybe just shortening from six to five minutes that period at the start of the first and third quarters maybe that'll help players maintain energy but it'll be interesting to see whether teams adjust their strategy at all based on this and i think it might give the altitude teams a little bit more of an advantage
1: it very well could, and also we'll see if this has any impact in terms of teams using those extra roster spots now—the 16th and 17th, which are two-way contracts. We've been seeing more of those being announced, and and just dealing with active roster spots a little bit differently, just because you might actually need those 12th and 13th players more frequently than before.
0: All right, we still have to catch up on all the signings that we've had so far in the last six days or so. Update you who's left in the market, who still has space. But first, this from Miendy's—the softest, most comfortable. You will ever wear, period. Of course, all the students at SBC, the, the first joke out of their mouths, really funny guys, was, Oh, are you wearing me undies right now? And I let them know that, yes. In fact, I was quite comfortable in the Las Vegas heat, I might add and the reason is each pair of MeUndies is sustainably sourced and made from modal fabric three times softer than cotton They come in all kinds of sol- of colors and patterns and they release new limited edition patterns each month that always sell out they've actually sent me some pretty wild stuff in addition to of course having stuff that's a little bit more basic this month's patterns were designed by the legendary 80s clothing brand Cross Colors oh, I actually remember that a lot of people wore that I would even, I'd think a Cross Colors is actually more of a 90s brand for me but in any event the the names live up to their bold design and bright colors. Increase to piece you dig, and the OG, got to see them for yourself at MeUndies.com slash Capspace. That's your URL to get 20% off your first pair. And the free shipping only at MeUndies.com slash Capspace. There's a reason they've sold over 5 million pairs to date. And if you don't love your first pair of MeUndies, you don't agree with me that they're the most comfortable underwear that you'll ever wear. They're free. Once again, 20% off your first pair. Free shipping meundies.com slash capspace is that URL meundies.com slash capspace. All right, where do you want to start here? I I enjoy you uh, taking us through these magical mystery tours of of some of these free agent signings.
1: I want to start with the San Antonio Spurs. The Spurs, first of all, almost immediately after we released our last podcast and I snarked that Joffrey Laverne was going to be looking for a job outside of North America, he got a contract with the San Antonio Spurs. So we don't know the exact terms of that yet still, but that's one of those things that'll probably come out over the next few days. But they signed him and the more important news which was pretty dumbfounding to me at the time, and to a point still is, was that they rescinded on the last day, they rescinded the qualifying offer to free agent guard Jonathan
0: Simmons. And one quick bit of cap minutiae here. You've heard it misreported at times that a restricted free agent has been renounced. You can renounce a restricted free agent, but the difference between rescinding a qualifying offer where now you no longer have that one-year contract out to him that makes him a restricted free agent and renouncing him, which means now you're letting go of his cap hold so that you can't pay him with bird rights those are two different things so simmons was not renounced but he did have his qualifying offer rescinded and that meant that he could negotiate anywhere and i theorized that the reason at the time we talked about this on our cap dork thread everyone was like why did they do this and i felt the spurs are just so culture focused it seemed that simmons who i think chafed at despite the fact that the spurs kind of brought him into the world as an nba player he chafed at having to did not play as much behind players that I, and likely he, because players are even more focused on these things than I am, he chafed a little bit at having to be behind inferior players like Kyle Anderson. And he probably felt, hey, you know, I, I've got this market that would be there if I weren't a restricted free agent right now. And the Spurs were like, well, I don't know if we want to bring this guy back at a reduced number If all right, we can leverage him and force him to take this and make him come back and have him be unhappy and be a negative influence that maybe to the spurs is just like well we've already lost this guy anyway and they also maybe just think that he's not that important That that could be another thing but so i think what they hoped was all right maybe we can salvage this if we post qualifying offer and then let him go out on the market see what else is there and if he finds out that in fact our offer was comparative maybe he'll come back that's not what ended up happening. He signed it with the Magic, and there were dueling reports about whether he was still negotiating with the Spurs or not. Shams, when he signed, said no, there weren't any further negotiations. So maybe that was all subterfuge with the Spurs, and they just wanted him gone didn't want his what they perceived as an attitude problem. I mean, what do you think all that, Danny?
1: I think it's certainly a possibility. I also completely would understand Simmons chafing not only at the playing time issue, but also being a 27 year old restricted free agent really changes your perspective on this whole thing. In Simmons, famously had to pay to att- to try out for the Spurs. So you think about just kind of where he had gone in his career. Yeah. The he Austin the, Spurs. The Austin Spurs. That that yeah. was really his one shot at, at making life changing money. And by being a restricted free agent by a team that may not have shown a ton of interest in bringing him back, because I mean, if he had been unrestricted from day one, I feel like he would have gotten a lot more money than the three years, 18 million, but only partially guaranteed in the third year that he ended up getting from the magic. So I can see all of that. But I can't have a guarantee of it. I have not talked to anybody in their front office. So I think that's a reasonable interpretation, but far from the only one. But whatever happened, now he is a member of the Magic on what I consider an exceedingly reasonable contract that was even better. I mean, it was originally reported as 320, then it was 318, then it was 318 with 1 million guaranteed in the final season. And Simmons is far from a perfect player. He was not what made the Spurs run, but he was a talented wing defender in a league without talented wing defenders. And he was athletic. I thought he could still improve, even if his jump shot was not great. And I thought one of the best runs he had was in the Western Conference Finals, what immediately preceded his restricted free agency.
0: Yeah, and obviously he played well in that Houston series also. And I, I thought he was one of their five best players against the Warriors. And they've added Rudy Gay. Maybe that would have supplanted him. But for Simmons, I think it makes sense, too, because in Orlando, you can say that he has a more defined role, perhaps, that he can really be their main defender defender on the wing if Aaron Gordon is going to be playing the four and he doesn't quite have the size to guard some of the bigger threes but then maybe they can put Gordon on those guys and you said you liked the contract I think so too much depends on his ability to hit the three-pointer but he is solid getting to the basket he also probably shot unsustainably well from mid-range on some pretty difficult contested attempts during the playoffs so I wouldn't expect to get that player that we saw in the playoffs despite the fact that you and I have both always been fans of him and felt like he should play more than he did so now we'll see what happens i mean there are guys who leave san antonio and are still pretty good there are guys who leave san antonio and we're kind of never hear from them again while we're on it uh what's what else is going on with the orlando magic
1: oh well so actually i wanted to say one other thing on the spurs before we move on which is that one of the other angles of this is that they're trying to maintain their 2018 cap space something that we talked about a lot in their offseason preview and that is certainly possible i want to see what happens with Gasol's contract because now it looks like he's going to be taking because they're functioning over the cap and everything like that and they're actually hard cap because of the rudy game mid level extension deal so I want to see how much money he gets and also if there is a 2018-19 component to it because that would affect their flexibility moving forward as well and we and of course Rudy Gay coming back from an Achilles injury possibility he picks up his player option throws us on whack they could still get a ton they could still get plenty of space but it might be less than some think but that could have played a factor in all this if they're kind of like well we're not really sure with the value and it makes this harder
0: yeah it'd be interesting to see with Gasol I think they can he was due a little over sixteen million this year initially, and how much room do they have left under the hard cap now?
1: Let me pull it up. So I have it that they, including Patty Mills' deal, I have it that they have about twenty three million before the tax. So that would mean twenty nine before the before the apron. But they also have to pay Laverne, probably David Lee, Brandon Paul, who was announced they signed that we don't have terms yet, who is a summer league standout, and then Manu and Pow, assuming Manu comes back.
0: Yeah, so they could give Powell pretty close. Close to what he had before, I think, and not be in any trouble, I think, with the apron. They'd still have enough room to work there and, and then get him off the books. And that's certainly the way I would advocate them handling that situation.
1: Sure. So let's finish up with the magic. They waived CJ Watson, who was guaranteed $1 million of a $5 million salary. That's not a surprise. His guaranteed date was coming up. And they may have signed Kem Birch, who was a talented prospect years ago and then went and played in Europe. He was actually in Greece last year. I haven't heard Much about that since it was it was kind of reported a couple of smaller places but we'll have to keep an eye on it
0: yeah Birch a mobile skinny center good dive man on the pick and roll someone that I actually think a a player type that the Magic could use we'll see what ends up happening they still have Biombo they still have Nikola Vucevic so not a guy who will play a lot but maybe he wants to be back quick one here in OKC Nick Collison returns to Oklahoma City on a one-year deal Collison had really was probably given more than he was worth over his last deal which was a little over three million he's not going to play at all this season but I'm guessing he probably didn't have much interest on the market and we could say what we want to about oh you know they need to develop these guys and and get more of a developmental spot on the roster but OKC has enough young guys, I think it's fine to bring back Collison, especially because what they're really trying to do this year is use their culture to sell Paul George and and Collison, of course, well-known to be a big part of that.
1: Yeah, he made the transition from Seattle to Oklahoma City with the team. Let's go to Jonathan Simmons, former teammate and now also former Spur, Dwayne Dedman. Dedman had been languishing on the open market, ended up getting a life raft in Atlanta from the Hawks, gave him two years, 14 million player options option for the second year, so probably something like 7-7. and That's a pretty reasonable kind of situation, sort of the player-friendly version of what Amir Johnson and Jonas Drebko got from the Celtics recently, and I I think that's a fair wage for him, though I wonder a little bit where Atlanta is going with everything.
0: Yeah, especially because there's no upside with the, the player option. I would guess as of now that he probably would end up opting in there, but the Hawks needed some more at center. I think he will probably start for them I would imagine they only had Plumlee and Diamondstone John Collins also has looked very solid and, some like, and actually no I shouldn't say that because they also have Muscala so they're going to have a pretty damn crowded and, and miles Plumlee center rotation yeah yeah, I think I mentioned hey, him yeah. but it's, yeah
1: oh oh I forgot to mention it just because I have to that Jonathan Simmons is going to make less than DJ Augustine for all three years of that contract which is astonishing but I just had to mention that
0: yeah summer of 2016 man <laughs>
1: not a calibrator for pretty, anything but another piece of Atlanta's yeah go ahead another piece of Atlanta's front court rotation was that they re-signed Ersan Ilyasova so Ilyasova has bounced around immensely on his last contract and then ended up last season with the Hawks re-signed with them one year six million not a bad deal but not necessarily a deal that the Hawks should make I was a little bit dumbfounded by the combination of these just because you're throwing 13 million dollars in this year's cap to players who who are good but provide zero long-term value for you in a year when a you're not going to be good and b cap space is incredibly valuable and they prove that by getting a first round pick for basically taking on for about 14 million from jamal crawford after the buyout
0: yeah that buyout has reduced things a little bit for him the Hawks, about out of space now, depending on when they sign Muscala. I'm not sure if they've officially signed him yet. He had a cap hold for the minimum. They could take on about another $7 million or so, but once they sign him, I think they'll be pretty darn close to out of space. Maybe they'll have room to sign a, a few guys to longer contracts before they hit the cap. Still have their room exception available as well, but that's only two years. They want to maintain a little bit of cap space for maybe some second rounders, undrafted guys. And (laughs) Ilyasova, again, I mean... deadman who has always been liked by the golden state organization and travis schlenk now of course is there so you see the connection but it doesn't really seem like you know are they trying to tank me i'd love to see what diamond stone and john collins can do They're deadman and Ilya silver you know quality players and so maybe the hawks are inching closer to kind of getting 35 wins this year they have no high-end talent on this team whatsoever you'd be i don't think they have a single player on this team who's even in the top 20 at their position right now yeah. which is pretty incredible to say but they do have a lot of depth and we'll see what happens with mike Boudinoso can can get a lot out of his bench at times well, and
1: it's something i wanted to mention is that if travis Schlank has the autonomy it sounds like he has something else that could be an option here is that something you mentioned about the george hill contract which is that it's going to be hard for teams to just sometimes take players into space or maybe the trading team might not be as interested maybe it's not about immediate money it's about long-term money Ersanio Osova and Deadman at those prices if they're trying to move them in early February they'll look pretty good so if they want yeah. to tra- take on long-term money and say hey we're not going to leave you uh, without a canoe we can give you Deadman something like that like that might have substantially more interest to a team like the Blazers where yeah I mean obviously it'd be better to get to lower their tax burden this year but they're also trying to make the playoffs so a situation like that could actually work out
0: yeah yeah the, that's an excellent point there and and I think And, you know, if they trade those guys at the deadline, Ursa and Eliasova might get traded. That's an interesting thought there. It doesn't happen very often. But I think we'll see. They can still kind of tank plenty from that point on, you you would think. So, you know, I I think in a vacuum, these are totally fine contracts. These are decent players. It's just I'm a little bit worried about winning too many games. But we'll see. And, And you mentioned Crawford. He took... About a three million dollar haircut off of the seventeen and a half million that he was owed, essentially. That's what it is.
1: I believe that's what I saw, yeah. Three to four million is what's in my head. But I didn't I didn't take specific notes. I think it was Vivimore that had it.
0: So let's get to Cleveland now. Signing Chetty Osman, a guy that we've been talking about for a long time, thirty first pick in the 2015 draft, you'll recall that they actually traded That's picked up that became Tyus Jones to get him and number 36, Rakeem Christmas, who was waived by the Pacers. But Osman is here now. He had a reported buyout that made it required, really financially for him to sign this two-year $8.3 million I'm sorry three-year $8.3 million deal Osman, I've likened him before to a worse shooting two-guard version of Mike Dunleavy skinny but has the ability to get into the lane pass pretty decent finisher likes to get out in transition much of his value will be determined by his ability to hit the three-point shot which is vacillated quite a bit over his EuroLeague and Turkish career and I'm not sure that he can help them against the the best teams this year he can I think eat up some minutes and getting another guy who can pass and move the ball uh, on offense but and he can get in the into the passing lanes for steals but he's going to be too thin to really hold up defensively against some of the best teams I fear so this is yet another kind of all offense guy for the Cavs I mean he's a good resource I I think they got him on a, a decent deal he'll be restricted at the end of those three years but the price sure was steep in terms of the repeater tax
1: and that is very present for Dan Gilbert so this used a part of their taxpayer mid-level exception because for a second round pick there isn't a rookie scale that you can fall back on and this combined with Jeff Green I think that's probably their wing rotation now is probably pretty close to set and that ties in with something that that I thought was a missed opportunity for them maybe because they don't have a general manager which was Luke Richard Mute taking the minimum with the Rockets And Mute on the Rockets is I'd um, rather him
0: than jeff green that's for absolutely
1: sure. and and they took the same contract i know lebron has a relationship with jeff green he's the guy who who gave him the moniker uncle jeff but like dwight howard in orlando years ago there's a reason why players aren't necessarily the gms there Bob Mute would have given them more defensive versatility not again like jonathan simmons not a perfect player but somebody who could provide value and that's why i think he really will help the rockets
0: yeah and i think that the rockets approach to filling out their team as opposed to Cleveland's, it is a very interesting contrast. The Rockets going for more defense, Tucker, because they feel like, hey, you know, we've got all these awesome offensive players. What we really need more of is defense. So they got Tucker, they got Luke, and now they can actually put a lineup on the floor against the Golden State Warriors where they don't really have many defensive liabilities other than maybe James Harden. And the Cavaliers can't do that. You know, they, they spent their resources on Green, who looks like he can play defense, but doesn't really. Kyle Korver, probably very difficult to play against the Warriors defensively. And so it's really, and I think the main players for Cleveland other than LeBron are defensive liabilities, unlike Houston. So I think that Houston is getting undervalued guys who can defend and Cleveland not doing that. I like Houston's approach better when you're talking about having to beat Golden State.
1: I agree with you. And then the other move for Houston we should talk about is they signed Tark Black, who had been waived by the Lakers. He had a non-guaranteed contract at about six million six six and a half, and he signed reportedly for one year at the biannual exception. That's about three point three million. He will be probably their third center, maybe their fourth center, but a nice fit. You know, somebody who can eat up regular season minutes. I don't expect him to play once they get to the playoffs, and they'll be going smaller more often. But you need. That sort of depth in the regular
0: season. Yeah, especially when Nene is your backup center. And Black, a guy I thought w- was undervalued. I think this is a solid price for Houston. You'll recall that Houston basically found him. That's where he started his career. He's got some good mobility, plays hard, runs the floor hard, can get on the offensive glass, limited offensively to really finishing dunks around the rim, but that's just fine. They got plenty of other guys who can score on this team.
1: We can go back out to the Eastern Conference with the Celtics. They finally <laughs> signed Gordon Hayward, had the their whole announcement thing, and so they had to make the accompanying yeah. roster moves beyond that,
0: that. Was delayed by the way because Avery Bradley had to report to Detroit for, for his physical, and I believe you have a week to do that during the offseason, so that was what the uh, delay there was,
1: right? So they had to still had to clear a little bit more space. They did so by waving Jordan Mickey and Demetrius Jackson. I believe we're still inside Jackson's waiver window. I wouldn't be completely floored if somebody picked him up, but he had 600,000 guaranteed, so we'll. see and before the i didn't
0: see a ton from him in summer league by the way but maybe somebody else did
1: yeah he he, he, yeah he didn't look spectacular to me but i mean there were going to be worse point guards that get on nba rosters this year so and in the interim kind of before they signed hayward they had to use they had a little bit of cap space to squeeze out just because of the idea of getting guys on the minimum and then basically using the instead of roster holds and so they signed abdul nader who was a standout in the d league for them last year and second round pick semi ojolay who I loved both in Utah and in Vegas. Nader was reported as a four-year deal. Ojale, I saw some verbiage around that, but I haven't seen anything in terms of the specifics of the contract. If so, at the minimum, those are both spectacular deals for Boston just because that amount of team control is is really beneficial and they're not going to have a lot of flexibility moving forward. So I think that's a good use of cap space too.
0: Yeah, stick around for the end of Celtics games on the Twitter NBA show that are blowouts for uh, a cornucopia of unsafe at any speed jokes <laughs> with abdel nader so now we'll see what happens with boston boston interestingly a lot of people are like oh why didn't they get dwayne Deadman? like how's he going to really get more it turns out he made the right decision to, he got 14 million guaranteed and maybe boston could have offered him more than one year but the most they could have offered him was basically eight and a half it guaranteed with their room exception that eventually went to aaron baines on only a one-year deal so boston is ready to go here we'll talk much more about them in the future and they're basically about done here Uh, they'll probably if i haven't gotten news that they've signed yabba yet but they still had room for him after the bradley trade so you imagine he will be in he uh, did not play in summer league after having uh, arthroscopic surgery i think on his ankle so maybe they can get one more ring chaser type there, but they're probably about done at this point.
1: A team that will not get any ring chasers in the near future, the Chicago Bulls, they made a decision that we're just going to have to see how it works out by staying over the cap. So it looked like they were going to have a bunch of cap space. They signed Cristiano Felicio. Then they instead used their middle-level exception on Justin Holiday who signed that two-year deal earlier in free agency. That means that they have a trade exception of about 15 million we'll see if they actually use it or not that will expire a year after the Jimmy Butler trade so basically right before the start of the league year before the league year turns over next year and they also signed uh, sorry they claimed David Nwaba who had been waived by the Lakers in a deal we're going to talk about that originally I was actually thinking we would do first Uh, but so they the Lakers waived David Nwaba and the Bulls claimed him which I think was worthwhile it's fine you know he was not a not a great player but they're they're going to be needing flyers guys who can Defend guys who can fit in their culture. So why not?
0: Yeah, I mean, they really don't have anything that remotely approximates a wing defender on this roster at this point. So you may actually be able to get some time.
1: He might. And then they also signed another guy who I thought looked pretty good in summer league. It's Andre Blakeney, right? I was thinking of his Andre or Andrew. Antonio Blakeney. Antonio. All those A names. They're all the same to me. Uh, Antonio Blakeney to a two-way contract. We will see. We've already seen a series of those and we will see even more. I believe Chris Riker on his uh, on his blog is, is keeping track of two-way contracts, which is two ways in 10 days, I believe is the name of the website. But you can find it pretty easily with those two terms anyway.
0: Yeah. And the Bulls still able to take on plenty of bad salary. They also have Nikola Miritich out there, Casey Johnson, mentioning that they're about $5 million apart in an update in the last couple of days. So with Miritich's cap hold on the books, I mean, they, they could still even now create almost 25 million in room if they were to renounce him. I doubt they are going to do that. Miritich has still been working out at the Advocate Center, their practice facility. And so they're over the cap right now by holding on to that trade exception. But if they want to just create cap space, they can do that as well. Um, they also have the room exception available if they wanted to use that. But I, I suspect that they are nearly done. I have them now with Nawaba at 14 players.
1: Another team that is really close to done. The Detroit Pistons made two signings during this time. We, I, I believe, the the renouncing of kcp had happened just before we recorded the last time so they signed reggie bullock re-signed him to a two-year five million dollar deal and then they brought back power forward anthony tolliver on a one-year 3.3 million dollar deal which is the biannual exception the most notable thing to me about those transactions is actually that they use the biannual exception at all because as it looks like they will be over the cap for the next few years i thought that might be a better use of capital next year when it will be harder for them to spend on players wait, wait, but what
0: next what, what is next year that that concept exists in Detroit?
1: It doesn't exist in Detroit but it exists other places. So <laughs> <laughs> that I, I know that that that's a good and point
0: by, by the way the snark aside I don't see a problem with just using it this year if you have if you've identified someone that you, you want to use it on who you think is is good you know I, I think it's fine and, and but it's also
1: not that much more money than a minimum contract for him and because now with the minimums rising pretty quickly for a guy who's been in yeah, the league that's
0: a good forever. that's a good point I mean and then he could have had a smaller cap hold next year as well if they if they wanted right. and to, and he
1: would have been way cheaper for back. them because the difference the difference in terms of salary for him isn't that much, but the difference in terms of payment is huge. It's almost two million dollars.
0: Yeah, I think they felt they needed another stretch four option with the departure of Marcus Morris. Although they still have, you know, because presumably now Tobias Harris will be a starter. I mean, John Lue is really their only stretch four option, and Lue probably is going to need to play some center now for them with the departure of Aaron Baines, Boban too slow for a lot of matchups off the bench. So they may move Lue more to center, and they felt they probably needed a stretch four option off the bench with that being the case
1: yeah at some point when i get bored i'll calculate how much money they're paying their front court guys because they're they're it's pretty impressive at this point but you know that that's the way it works we'll see if reggie bullock actually played i thought he looked good before he got hurt one of the many times he's gotten hurt but i'm optimistic in the two-year deal i don't know what the status of that second year is we'll have to keep an eye on that the dallas mavericks whether it's
0: guaranteed or not one one other note uh, on bullock this is a perfect example here of the difference between revoking the qualifying offer and renouncing right like they never even made him a qualifying offer but he was still a free agent and they stayed over the cap they still had his bird rights and that's what they used to give him this deal i don't think they had any other way to do that other than bird rights and that's probably even though he hadn't shown much part of why they brought him back because they really had no other way to add talent at a salary above the minimum so he actually represented a way for them to spend more than minimum really the only way that was available to them by this point
1: i was going to move on to the Mavericks but we should talk about the former piston Contavious Caldwell Pope I had advocated for the Sixers to take a flyer on him just because I think he's a nice fit next to Markel Fultz they apparently did not step up and the Lakers did Lakers gave him a one-year 18 million dollar deal which puts him back out on the market next summer they waived David Nwaba to clear that space and I don't think there was a better way for them to spend this money. He will make them. Oh no! Better. This is a
0: coup. This is yeah. a coup for sure. They they don't have they don't have their draft pick this year. Why not get him? And then the other thing that's great too is if they don't get their double max guys next year, they could always just bring him back with some of that space as well, or even just use non-bird rights to give him a 120% bump and get him on a long-term deal. Uh, So yeah, I mean, this is fantastic for the Lakers.
1: He also fits well with Lonzo Ball. I had obsessed over his fit with Fultz just because Fultz doesn't defend, but Ball has some two guard in him size-wise, so you can do some switching there. You could also just put KCP on the harder guard to defend, and he brings something they didn't have, before and I still don't think the Lakers are going to be strong defensively they just don't have the personnel especially because they're they're playing Brook Lopez at center and while he does certain things while he's not exactly the most mobile guy in the world but KCP makes them a better team in a way that makes a lot of sense they still have their room exception which they presumably could use to sign a backup point guard or split with multiple players
0: yeah they've also left cap space to sign Thomas Bryan as well they're Second round pick to a contract starting at the minimum, longer than two years as well. But let's go back to Detroit and KCP. Let's assume I've heard rumblings to this effect. I don't know for sure, but let's say the offer was something around sixteen million a year for KCP. Think Rich Paul made the right decision in not taking that.
1: Huh. It's going to be a very narrow market next summer, and one of the big challenges is that the most obvious team that will need a shooting guard is Philly. But Philly is going to have a series of different players that are interest to them the restricted market maybe i'm not sure they're going to want to do that dance again but avery bradley who the guy who replaced kcp is going to be an unrestricted free agent maybe he's just trying to get leverage to stay in detroit we don't know kcp is going to be there but i think this is a worthwhile bet because he's making the money this year so yeah he, he so really you're comparing 580 to more like 462 and i think he could get that
0: yeah i would have turned it down if i were rich paul at the time now i I think you and i value kcp more and part of the reason for that is if you're going to look at guys who can shoot the ball and are really you know he's one of the elite defenders to me a one-two defender at his position if you're going to look at guys who can do both those things i mean there's maybe 10 guys at the two guard position and 10 guys at the three position in the whole league who can do both those things and i also think kcp is young enough if he's on a real offense he can shoot the ball better he can create a lot of shots from downtown shot it better from downtown excellent transition player he really gets out in transition like he's going to get some of those lonzo ball bombs in transition protect lonzo as well let lonzo take the easier matchup i think his fit next to ball is outstanding and they'll have good size now in the backcourt so i think he's worth more than 16 million a year. yeah i get that the market is tighter this year but i think he's just a very good fit in a lot of places i would be willing to pay him you know 18 million a year 20 million a year or something like that if i were a team that had the space and trying to get better because he's young enough to get better right and i think there's a lot of value even if you say okay you know there are plenty of players making 20 million a year that's pretty close to the max and he's not close to a lot of these guys who make the max well that's not realistic because there's a finite amount of money in the system and i certainly would rather get him for 20 million a year and say okay this guy doesn't get hurt he's gonna shoot the ball he's a great defender and now we've got this position solved for the next four years we don't have to worry about it this guy is gonna be there and he can still get better and maybe on the offensive end so with all that being the case, I think that he's he's worth it. I think he's better than Otto Porter. That's for damn sure. Uh
1: Also remember I've talked about the Sixers and brought them up because I, I just think they're going to be a better team, but he also is a wonderful fit in Brooklyn and he'll be 25 next year.
0: Well, apparently not. They they apparently don't see it that way because they could have made <laughs> him an offer and they didn't. So I True. I mean if I, I I wouldn't count on that market materializing. They decided they'd rather take on Demari Carroll's bad contract instead. But there are still some other teams out there that I think could potentially use him right
1: and it could even be the Lakers who knows
0: yeah no and I think getting somewhere being in the system now on the chance that it doesn't work out for the Lakers you know I think a team like I mean it's tough though I guess because like Indiana has Oladipo now I mean he's so much better than Oladipo not to say that Oladipo is you know a great contract necessarily I think Dallas if Wes Matthews leaves could be an interesting landing spot for him next to Dennis, Smith, and Dennis that, that Smith, be pretty interesting two of
1: our favorites next to each other would be fun yeah there, there will be yeah. a few like I haven't really well
0: you, you know and I get uh, and the only other one though I mean I'm looking at the teams that I project to have over 20 million in space next year I mean Philly is one too but uh, and maybe they just feel like all right we'll get them next year they didn't want to do the gymnastics that would have been required to create the space or well, and I, also, I guess I understand that if
1: they didn't need to make that commitment at this point let's say they're assuming that the Lakers are going to be out of it because they're going to get those guys then and they can choose between Bradley and KCP potentially, and maybe they see that as being worth it, or maybe they have their sights set. Maybe they think they can get Paul George. I mean, who knows? So I I, I can see them looking. Maybe Brian Colangelo is looking at a at a rosier feature than we are, and saying maybe we can do better than him.
0: Another interesting potential destination, and, and I guess it is. It's not great, you know. We're, it's tough coming up with a ton of teams there, but when he's unrestricted at the start, that will make a big difference. Sacramento, they have a ton of two guards, so I wouldn't. Necessarily Necessarily expect them to be an option san antonio could be an interesting one Uh, especially if danny green were to opt out leave it in free agency they'll have plenty of space i mean that fit of him next to Kawhi leonard would be uh it could be pretty devastating as well so he'll have some options but it's uh i i would have turned that down as as rich paul i think at the time and i probably would have been equally as disappointed as rich paul has ended up being in his market it appears just that i think he's better than the rest of the league does and uh you know that we have plenty of players like that that we feel that way on.
1: A couple of bookkeeping notes on their their co-tenant in the Staple Center, the Clippers, we found out I think Bobby Marks is the one who had this that Teodosic's contract has a similar structure to JR Smith's in that it is uh JR Smith's prior contract, that it is a player option for the second year, but that player option is not fully guaranteed. So if he opts in and the Clippers don't want him, they can he has a partial guarantee of 2 million so they can just cut him loose at that point. I think that makes some sense for both sides, considering he's an older free agent. But it is always interesting to see the structure.
0: Well, and it's interesting too because I think they had some concerns about the hard cap, and now they're essentially paying him guaranteed eight million for this year, and so that's a way to do that without necessarily impacting the hard cap. And then next year they could always just not do something that would hard cap them. They were hard cap because they used their
1: because they acquired signing yeah they got
0: yeah they got him inside and then this their mid-level is mostly uh teodosic as well they they paid him more so that that would hard cut them as well um so yeah the the reason by the way that they have to do it this way they actually set it up so that he had a guarantee date for this year of like five days after he signed and the reason to do that is because the last year of a contract if there's going to be an option on it, has to have the same structure in terms of guarantees as the previous year. There's only a two-year contract. So if there's going to be... That player option on it then and also be non-guaranteed then the year before that has to be the same thing non-guaranteed so they just set it five days from when he signed it so obviously they're not going to cut him then he's guaranteed now and then he'll have that july 10th or so guaranteed date for next year that's how you how you do that if you're going to go longer than a two-year contract it's very difficult to set that up rajon rondo uh it was initially reported that he would have that same type of contract as it turned out he, he did not
1: Let's do a couple of quick ones just because we can. Dallas signed forward Maxi Kleber to a partially to a deal that I believe it's guaranteed for the first year and then a team option for the second year. He is from Wurzburg, which is the same city that Dirk Nowitzki is from. He will be on their team next year. I know nothing
0: about him. I once knew something about him. I saw him as like a 17 and 18 year old. Maybe not that young. Maybe he was like 19 back at, at the Euro camp in like 2012. And he's just kind of a, a long skinny guy back then. Skilled power forward player. I, I mean, I don't expect to see much from him. It could just be a sop to Dirk. I hadn't heard anything about him as a prospect, but uh, all right. Th- th- I'm sure that was thrilling. Now we know exactly how he's going to play this year. Uh, did you say that they waived Cal Wilch already? The Clippers?
1: No, we should have mentioned that. And also the Pacers waived George Niang, who was a second round pick out of Iowa State last year. He only had 100000 guaranteed for this year. So they will pay that just like they paid the 50000 for Rakeem Christmas to clear his roster spot.
0: Yeah, Niang, I think, suffered an injury early in summer league to my recollection. And yeah, I believe so. the hope that he would become the next Jared Dudley apparently unfounded as of now. What do we got next here?
1: Rajon Rondo. So Rondo, it was reported that he was meeting with the Lakers. And he end- and he had also met with the Pelicans. He has a, of course, pre existing relationship with DeMarcus Cousins. They played together on the Kings two years ago. He will join the Pelicans on a one year deal. We do not know the amount. The Pelicans are in this unusual situation where they could pay him kind of a wide variety of salaries up to the part of the non taxpayer mid level exception. But they're also butting against the hard cap because of the uh not uh butting against the butting gets the luxury jack. Sorry, is a better way of putting it because of the Drew holiday situation we don't think they're willing to pay the luxury tax so we have to see what actual money he gets in the structure of it but he makes them better he, he they needed more playmaking they needed another point guard even though they're they yeah, drafted they traded it away
0: tim frazier who is really their only good uh right good and uh, presumably rondo is going to make
1: a lot more and there have been some murmurs that they're actually thinking about playing rondo and holiday together a significant amount while there are elements of that defensively that could work the four spacing is going to be in a major Problem in those circumstances because they're probably going to play Davis and Cousins a lot, and then also some distinct non-shooter most of the time, Solomon Hill. So they're going to have to figure all this out. But at least they added talent.
0: The opportunity cost here, I think I saw rumblings that it'd be about four million for Rondo. If that turns out to be accurate, I think they could have done a, a little bit better here. Were there other guys who signed for less than that that you think that they could have gotten? um Because in particular, they have zero healthy three men on the roster right now. Solomon Hill is a four and Quincy Pondexter hasn't played in two years
1: yes that's a big problem I would have liked even though he's I think of him as more of a two than a three Gerald Henderson could have been a a compelling fit for them just another another hard worker there wasn't much on the three line this year it just was it just was not a real strength the team you know who really could have helped them and here we go if they just kept Omri Caspi's hold on the books they ended up functioning as an over-the-cap team by virtue of re-signing Drew Holiday which of course they didn't know at the time but that's what they expected it would have the opportunity cost was basically 10 days of reggie reggie williams and now they don't have and he ended up signing for the minimum with a better team he wouldn't have signed for the minimum
0: there i talked to a few people who were defending that decision and i was like i'm sorry like (laughs) i know you work in the nba but this is not defensible to me that you just like oh we need this roster spot right now i mean i get that in a vacuum you need the roster spot but like reggie williams for a 10 day i mean you gotta be kidding me interesting out there still is dante cunningham you'll recall that he opted out of over three million dollars this year doesn't look like that's going to be out there there for him they have less of a need for him at this point because they've got cousins and davis now they've got solomon hill to play back up for cunningham not that great of a shooter really to play the threes, slowing down as well now at age Thirty. Maybe they could still bring him back, though. They could keep his capital on the books. Maybe pay him a little bit more than the minimum. Where do you want to go next?
1: Let's do the Knicks. So the Knicks, their other big offseason signing after Tim Hardaway Jr. was Ron Baker, who announced that he was coming back on July 1st, but we didn't find out the terms for a long time. He ended up getting the room mid-level exception for two years. Do you know the structure of that, whether the second year is an option or whatever?
0: I believe it is a player option.
1: Good for him, because then, yes, he will be re- restricted if he opts out but which he very well might not because that's a lot of money for ron baker but if either way he will have a very high qualifying offer because it is built off of your prior salary and as we saw with langston galloway and a few other guys that really ratchets up when you're a player who actually made a lot more but was still a restricted free agent
0: i mean as of right now and the knicks are out of space because they use their room exception on him he could start for them at the one if they decide nilke is not ready he could be their starting one this year
1: their point guard rotation is ron baker and frank nilkina at this moment that is incredible well they and, have
0: their draft pick this year yeah, that's true and, and then also if they trade carmelo they're gonna have like no threes on the roster either
1: lance thomas time baby
0: i mean they'll probably just start courtney lee at the three is what they'll do lee and I hardaway
1: and, that could very well know. be
0: and, and lee can guard a lot of guys like that so that's maybe being a little, little bit unfair but for the knicks This is another instance where really, I think they kind of blew it. They misread the market. If they agreed to this, as Baker tweeted out, he was happy to be back. So presumably, the terms of this contract had been agreed to at that time. It just there's no way Ron Baker was going to get this kind of an offer. Now there was a little bit of fear because with him being only one year and arenas limited, if they had spent all their cap room, they didn't have bird rights on him. He was making the minimum last year. Also, why didn't they just sign him to a two year deal to begin with? By the way, with the minimum exception, that's oh he had so right much question. leverage
1: on them, Nate. He had so much he was never going to accept a two year deal.
0: Yeah, he's undrafted (laughs) last year. In any event, yeah, this is a a pretty gross mismanagement of resources. He wasn't going to get an offer like this to get a player option on a second year as well. And then his qualifying offer would be high. If you want to make him restricted again, he's getting an automatic 25% raise. It's just really, really surprising to me. Maybe they felt like, you know, we're just going to, he's going to be close to being our starter. And he showed a little bit last year. He had some nice games, but overall, his statistical resume, not impressive. Uh, He's not going to be able to defend one at a high rate, I you know maybe he could be an okay backup combo guard for you, but the price here it's just there's no way he was going to get like some big restricted free agent offer sheet. And I guess the concern again was if they were going to use cap space and they use their room exception on someone else, they wouldn't have any way to match it because they didn't have bird rights on him. So maybe that's like all right, we got to get him locked up right away. That was probably the thinking, but it's still why not just let him chill out there for a while and because no one was going to give it more than the room exception like that was the yeah, error
1: it, it, it's the weirdest form of risk aversion because the risk is that ron baker is going to leave i don't think that's a risk
0: yeah so. oh, we, we won't be able to match on him if someone pays him over the room exception well for three you years him, you don't want him on something over the room exception
1: right but hopefully they're going to make fewer of those kinds of mistakes they hired scott perry to basically the deal it sounds like david griffin didn't want where he got a five-year contract to be the next general manager he is going to be under mills and well respected around the league we'll see how much autonomy he actually gets but we'll have to see
0: yeah and of course this was on the heels of david griffin publicly pulling out and likely leaking that the reason he did so was because the knicks weren't willing to want him to work under steve mills and weren't allowing him to bring in his own people and that's uh not gonna happen for scott perry either by all accounts he's just gonna slide in there's some skepticism about a culture change when many have tried and failed to do that, and all the same people have been there. Talk to a few people, by the way. I mean, there is the frustration in the organization about the phil jackson thing i think is totally understandable especially because there was a thinking that dennis smith wouldn't fit in the triangle and then we got this guy just for the triangle and then phil is gone and we're not gonna be running the triangle anymore i mean the same the same thing that we were saying i I think people in the organization felt that same frustration but i I mean that was and frankly those talked to at least three organizations this summer league where people were just a little bit down about some of the whimsical decision making the changing of courses within the organization what that said about ownership and it just reinforced for me again just how much ownership is important and how much just being able to find a plan and stick to i mean that's step one right is like even being able to stick to a plan now you got to have the right plan and you still got to get lucky in following along with that plan you still got to make the right evaluations but when you can't even make a plan to begin with and that's just so incredibly frustrating for some of the people who work in the organization.
1: Ownership is the greatest competitive advantage in the NBA. I firmly believe it and we're seeing that now and it's I think it's also a part of the disparity between the conferences right now. I mean we don't know it all the way yet but it looks like now that the Lakers are more competently run that di- 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 dichotomy is getting even more severe.
0: For Scott Perry, he definitely has had a lot of people who have really been in his corner. I don't know him at all. I don't know how much he had to do with precisely what happened in Orlando. He then went to the Kings. He got a lot of credit for what many people perceived as a good Kings offseason. I am less sanguine about the Kings offseason, particularly their free agent signings, particularly the signings of Randolph and Vince Carter. And their draft, I think they did well, but it remains to be seen whether Harry Giles and Justin Jackson in particular with that trade down from 10, I think they just, to get 15 and 20 for 10 was solid. And De'Aaron Fox had a nice summer league. I think he looks okay at five. But to say that he like had this unbelievable job, I don't like Sacramento's summer as much now. Sacramento was kind enough to let him out. What's the compensation gonna be eventually?
1: Cash considerations and a 2019 second round pick, which cannot be the Knicks own pick because the Knicks second round picks are owed to Philadelphia through 2021 which is amazing. Oh boy. And that's and the rule. Also, I believe three yeah. separate transactions. I, it's one of my favorite pieces of minutia that I, in the NBA right now.
0: Also worth noting that Philly, or I'm sorry, that that Sacramento and New York are prohibited from trading with one another for one year because that could be perceived as additional compensation. This is the Doc Rivers rule where the Clippers couldn't obtain Kevin Garnett after trading for Doc Rivers from the Celtics because – it could be viewed as, and remember also in these transactions, you're not actually trading the executive. What you're doing is giving compensation to let the guy out of his contract and then he signs with you. So that's basically what you're getting. And so to avoid the perception that there was more to this deal than there actually was, which you, there's no way to avoid that because you don't know like what the evaluations are in any subsequent trade that would happen in the next year, that's why that rule exists.
1: Right. And this is the second time it's actually happened this summer because it happened with Jeff Weltman, if memory serves.
0: To those kings, George Hill only forty million guaranteed on that contract. So basically, it's seventeen million a year if they front loaded it, which they did. I mean, it was three for fifty-seven, yeah, which they did. So probably it's pretty close to totally non guaranteed. Yeah, on it's only one. Year. It's
1: only one million. It's. Thank uh, you. I actually have the actual. I have the actual contract now, so it's. I can pull it up. It is 2019-18, uh, and, and that last year is only one of the one million of the 18 is guaranteed, which I think really helps his trade value, depending on how, how the Kings want to handle that second year.
0: Yeah, and also uh, Zach Randolph front-loaded as well. So that will increase the tr- potential trade value of these players. Again, expiring contracts may take on new life, especially when they're expiring and attached to a guy who can still play a little bit. And I'm sure the hope will be that Hill and Zebo... Still can. And obviously, that makes that hill deal look a lot more palatable. Let's go to the Utah Jazz now, Danny. They reacted to Gordon
1: Hayward's departure by adding some serious depth. So they signed Tabo Cephalosha, two years, 10.5 million. Jonas Jerebko two years, 8.2 million. And bringing back the book club, Ekpe Udo, two years, 6.5 million.
0: Yeah. Udo starred in Turkey some even said he was the best player in Europe this year not a great score but has some passing ability from the high post the game has evolved to switch his skill or to fit his skills a little more because he can switch protect the rim he is 30 now at this point and he flamed out you'll recall with the Clippers in his last NBA when we thought we thought actually that he could help them and then Doc kind of lost him as he tends to lose a lot of these deep bench guys that he signs at times so I think he can help the Jazz he also could provide them with a little bit of insurance if he plays well if a Derek Favors trade materializes they won't play you would think Favors as much at backup center this year and then Jarebko provides another stretch element replacing maybe Trey Lyles and Boris Diaw whom they had to cut he had 7.5 million non-guaranteed so he's going to be a free agent now sounds like I think he's would have cleared waivers by now and I think those are solid deals. You could maybe criticize the fact that they're both two years for Cephalosha and Drubco, But one thing I really like about this Jazz team now, they are a great defense at times last year when Gobert was in, but they couldn't force any turnovers. And then they picked up Tabo Cephalosha, Donovan Mitchell, and Ricky Rubio this offseason. They're going to get a ton of steals. Like, this is going to be a nasty defense next year.
1: And they're going to need those stops because I worry a little bit about their offense. But
0: yeah, more than a little bit.
1: Yeah. So I was I was fiddling around with them actually in 2K and I just I was playing and I just realized, holy crap, they're not going to score. <laughs> and uh, but I still yeah. like a lot of the guys on this team. And Drebko in particular, you know, there was the kind of the question when they waved Boris D which also we should mention of kind of where they were going to go with the power forward position. And Drebko is a worthwhile gamble there. They, they have Derek Favors for this year, assuming they don't trade him. And then Joe Johnson has played some at the four, but I don't think you want to do that too much in the regular season. Joe Dribko can bring some of that four spacing, but maybe a little more reliability in terms of minutes.
0: Yeah, so I think these are good. I think that some people maybe missed out on Dribko and Tabo. I mean, I, I oh and would,
1: Tabo, another guy yeah. who would have made sense for Cleveland.
0: Yeah, I would. Have, I mean, if you consider because Cleveland. Their luxury tax. We haven't talked about this yet. We kind of got sidetracked, but basically, where they're at now, they have 13 players under contract that includes Kay Felder and Eddie Tavares, who are both nine guaranteed, but played well in summer. Osman he costs them 15 million dollars with his 2.6 million which we project this year and then that repeater tax only keeps going up so if they're going to add one more roster spot now at the veterans minimum which counts against the cap at uh 1.47 million that's going to add another 8 million bucks to their bottom line. Every minimum contract they sign from here on out is going to cost $8 million in cash. So I would be shocked if they don't just stay at the minimum 14 players all year. They've got one more minimum slot to get there. And they actually could have just, it would have been cheaper for them to just like buy a second round pick because when you sign your own second round pick, that counts as less against the luxury tax than if you just sign an undrafted rookie free agent. And what the... They're going to do now, presumably, is they'll wait until after the trade deadline when you sign to the rest of season contract, and you'll they'll probably save you know six million bucks by doing that.
1: And of course, the second round nuance is something they probably would have done if they had a GM. But
0: that wow. is correct. Yeah, I mean that's uh, and you know, I'm, Kobe alton probably realizes that, but yeah, still you, you could it's hard it's a harder a more pitch there. A, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, a couple a couple of quick bookkeeping things. Also, Mike Scott signed for the minimum in Washington. I think I actually have them at fifteen guys now. I don't know. Of his contract, what the guarantees are on it, but he presumably will be their fifteenth guy. And Sergio Rodriguez will no longer be in the NBA. I thought he might be a, a worthwhile fit as the backup point guard for the Lakers, but he has, in my own parlance, signed with Russia. He signed with Cheska Moscow, so <laughs> he will he will be playing there. And I, his contract is long; it's through 2020. So he, I, I would say, he is not coming back to the NBA.
0: Well, and you mentioned his fit with the Lakers. I just don't think that an NBA. This is still one of those situations where he's not worth as much to an NBA team as he is to a team overseas
1: that's certainly a fair point
0: I'm sure they're paying him more than what the NBA minimum would especially because they add it to be tax-free and stuff all right let's go out uh, with who is still out there in terms of remaining free agents this is my top five unrestricted bigs in terms of pure centers Andrew Bogut is still out there just in terms of the player He's probably the best, although obviously a health risk. Most spates, there's some talk that he might play in Atlanta, but they now have uh, plenty of centers. We mentioned Dante Cunningham, JaVale McGee, David Lee, Boris Diaw. Those are some of the best guys. Then we get down into really Do you have pretty fringy guys. Yeah, I said him.
1: Okay. And then Powell. But Powell, we assume he's coming back, but he is still technically right. a free agent.
0: Yeah, th- that's, that's a good point. And then on the wing- correct,
1: the best kind of correct.
0: On the wing, Gerald Henderson, Tony Allen, Shabazz Muhammad, really not- appearing to get it many nibbles at all Aaron Aflalo Matt Barnes Matt Barnes actually played like 1800 minutes last year Mike Dunleavy even Ian Clark those are the guys that I have as guys who I thought you know project as rotation type of guys maybe Brandon Rush is out there as well at point Derek Rose obviously the biggest name free agent still remaining out there just no traction really being reported with him had a second meeting with the Milwaukee Bucks, which, I mean, maybe they offered him a minimum contract in that meeting, but I, I can't imagine it would be any more than that considering their tax situation. Darren Williams also out there as well. It does not appear maybe he'll be the last guy who goes back to the Cavs for the minimum and i if i were them oh yeah it's because the other guy they signed too. we were talking about all offense was uh, jose calderon another guy who can't play against the warriors who when we were discussing their philosophies compared to Couldn't houston play with them either yeah ty lawson who played like a solid backup point guard last year someone who, who might still be available brendan jennings who did not play like a solid backup point guard last year and then of course we get to the restricted guys who are, are oh, well pretty i interesting want to mention two more point guards yeah oh uh, please
1: ramon sessions and tyler ennis Ennis, I, I i think okay. is yeah and we the, should have mentioned you're right yeah and so he now cannot uh the, the lakers had that limited window that they maybe could have signed him because of the decline option but now he's basically out of out of their reach be- i guess they could use that same amount of the room the room exception but i don't think we'll see yes
0: it. yeah they still don't have a traditional backup point guard on the roster it would really have to be jordan clarkson i guess and maybe he'll just play as a combo guard he can play next to ball or next to kcp but i think the lakers could use one more if they could get him back I would absolutely t- take him back for that amount of money. Uh, and then they would have early bird rights on him next year. And a reasonable cap have, hold, too. Yeah, they may even have full bird rights on him, actually. Um,
1: yeah, they would. I believe they would.
0: Yeah, yeah. and he'll, his cap hold would be lower. So it may be a guy, I think. Well, with, yeah,
1: that's what happened with Austin Rivers. Yeah, that they yeah. would have full bird rights.
0: I mean, I was pleased with the increase he showed in his shooting ability and his defensive effort down the stretch as they actually won those random five straight games last season. So I think if I were a team that needed backup point guard help, but was a younger team, I definitely would try to see if, if I could get him. Uh, he is pretty interesting. New Orleans Noel still out there. Absolutely zero market really remaining for him at this point.
1: I guess the hope is that Brooklyn could just feel sympathy for him and throw an offer sheet because they have I think Brooklyn has about 15 million.
0: That's what what's that's coming. A, But see, I, I mean, I I would be very surprised if Dallas's offer were less than 15 million. That's true. I'd be very surprised by that and so no i mean he i think he wants like 20 is is what the problem is i mean i think if he were you know in the mid-teens that he probably would have been signed already
1: and then the other four restricted free agents they're all bigs of some flavor now left just a tough tough group jermichael green mason plumley nicola miritich alex len
0: yeah again especially for a bulls team that just isn't really even trying to be good this year they've got larry market in. if i'm miritich i'm Maybe... I think the solution here for a lot of these is okay, let's we'll get you under contract for three years and we won't pay you that much, but maybe we'll give you a two plus one, you know, maybe, maybe that is, or a three plus one in the case of some of the younger guys like, a, like a Len, where okay, all right, I realize that this salary is disappointing, but you're at least going to get a raise in the case of someone like Plumley or Len, Len less so because he was a higher pick. Haven't made that much in your career. Green has made like nothing in his career. So maybe Jamichael, all right, I get it. Like, there's not that much out there for you. Like, this is a disappointment to you. But if we give you a two plus one, then you can get back on the market at twenty nine. You'll have another chance to cash in a little bit, and we'll get you for less dollars during this next couple of years. Like that's that's what I hope. So you can throw the guy enough of a bone to where it's like, all right, you missed out this time, but there still will be a next time.
1: A point I wanted to make here is while we're dealing with a very small sample size, big men did not get years this off season. Some did a couple, but like Taj Gibson, he got two. Correct? Direct?
0: Yeah, two for twenty-eight.
1: Two for two for twenty-eight. Abaka got three. Millsap got two. Got a two plus a team option. Deadman one plus one. Randolph two. Can
0: we call can we call a t- a team option like a two minus one <laughs> instead of, instead of a two plus one?
1: Sure. I use in in my in my sheets. I use are like in my parlance. I use two t one. But yeah, we could do that. Uh,
0: yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's probably me too
1: confused. Pachulia one but- year. Ilyasova one year. Amir Johnson one year. Direct Rebco two years, Baines one Deadman. year, Muscala two years, one plus yeah. one, David West one. Like this, It's pretty incredible that none of these guys got years. It's it's a good thing. I mean, I, I'm sure certain teams wish they would have done the same thing last year, but there just weren't that many. A lot of it is also a supply issue, just the, the same guys were not available and the money was not available. But that is notable to me in terms of where the league is going. Yes, yeah, some of those guys did get paid. Kelly Olenek got money. He got four years. And then if you get into more guys that are more... More forwards than bigs like James Johnson, those guys still got paid. But legitimate centers just didn't get years. Nene got three, but at that really cheap price.
0: Yeah. So is that right that the only traditional power forwards or centers who got more than three years is Blake Griffin and Kelly Olynyk? Yeah, I think that's right. Wow. Mirtich or or Green maybe could get into that group too, but and
1: and Nerlens.
0: Yeah, that's true. But he hasn't gotten it yet.
1: Nope and that should be a lesson uh i will be writing on this at some point in the next month i like that now we're in the off season so it's not the next week it's the next month about the restricted market next year but these guys need to be looking at what happened this year and the agents and the players should just be looking with fear and re- and and real understanding in their eyes because this is going to happen again
0: and it's going to be worse Dude, our mock rookie extension podcast is going to be very interesting. But Feldman's yeah, going to make I, people cry. Well, I, by people you mean me as the player agent.
1: <laughs> right. Or or the or actual agents of players who listen to that podcast.
0: So, in terms of teams that still have some space out there, we've talked about most of them. You mentioned Brooklyn, they got about 15. Chicago's got about 15 if they want to create it. The Lakers are done now except for the room exception orlando pretty close to done except for the room exception philly's got 15 presumably earmarked for robert covington's renegotiation and extension phoenix has got uh, under 20 now with the uh, alan williams when, whenever he signs but still plenty to work with sacramento i think has about seven left san antonio about done i think they've got their bae left and, and maybe to, to bring back gasol utah is done so yeah not a ton of money left out there for most of these guys and the only teams that do have it are teams that are probably going to just leave that space open
1: yeah so then that that looks really bad for the restricted free agents and we also might see a couple guys maybe well i mean the restricted guys too but like gerald henderson shabazz muhammad following Mute's lead and just taking cheap contracts on the team that they think they can shine
0: all right that'll do it for us today thank you so much for listening we apologize for the long delay we will be on two days a week here so although we'll actually do probably two more podcasts summer league prospect review will be coming next after this it will take a little while to watch all the film on that but as soon as we get that done we will get you a podcast don't forget about our patreon as well patreon.com slash Duncan LaRue and our merchandise saw actually a few dunked on T-shirts in the Thomas and Mack Center in Las Vegas, which certainly warmed my heart. And we've got mugs available as well. That's all available at NateDuncanNBA.com. And Danny, I know you've been hard at work editing your book. So please feel free to to plug the link to that again.
1: Yeah. So well, be- before that, I want to take a second to thank everybody who took the time to come over and, and say kind words And for in Vegas. Wearing a name tag certainly helps but of course doing the twitter nba show does as well and it it really is wonderful to to get that and well emails and everything else certainly i we appreciate that too the in-person thing of people just being excited to see you was both surreal and appreciated yeah i'm i'm knee-deep in in editing the book i'm i'm about at page 260 right now on a full edit of the entire thing i think there's gonna be one more after that you it's 100 things warriors fans should know and do before they die it is on amazon if for those of you who prefer for smaller independent sellers it might be available there but it's not coming out until november 1st so whatever makes you happy and it's going to be great i'm really ex- going through it has made me invigorated again about the project but yeah it's a lot of
0: work all right catch y'all next time till then at bet365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every goal every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar.